Hi, welcome to What the Health, a different kind of podcast from the original Prevention Network at EHE Health. It's Joy Altamara here. In each episode, I'm going to be your host, and I'm going to welcome leaders from diverse fields to explore why women have such frustrating experiences with healthcare. And what can we really do to make real change? It's the only podcast that explores the full scope of these issues, and I hope in depth and from all angles, amplifying the voices of women whose interactions with the system has led them to exclaim, what the hell? So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, it's Joy Altamari, and I'm the host. Welcome back to What the Health, episode four. I'm here with my amazing friend, Maya. We're going to talk about all things Black maternal health. But before we get into that, Maya, how are you? I'm doing great. How's so everything going? I'm Good. so happy you're here too. You are a mom. You are a wife. You are an entrepreneur founder. You have three beautiful girls. How are you managing right now? School's almost out. <laughs> I'm managing well. I actually, you know, I think COVID has impacted parents differently. And I think in my household, Luckily, we haven't been too impacted yep. by it, right? I don't think any of us have had COVID up until this point. And I knocking think it's been on actually not, knocking on wood, right? <laughs> I think it's actually been a, a healthy reset of yep. sorts, right? We've been home a lot. We've gotten so much closer to what our kids are doing in school. Agreed. We've had a lot of time together, and a lot of those moments have been special. I agree. So I'm hanging in there. Hanging I think that the, the, the most challenging thing I'm dealing with in my life right now is founder life and, yes. and learning all of that. So, and we're going to get into that because yeah. I think. What you founded and what you're doing is is uber important for mankind. I know it's focused on black women, but I think when you think about women in general, without women, we can't we can't create more people in the world. And specifically black women, we really need to touch on the subjects around maternal health because they're the most impacted, negatively impacted. So we're going to jump into that in a second. But first, so honored to have Maya Hardigan here. She's the founder and CEO of May, meetmay.com. Maya, tell us a little bit about what May is and a little bit about yourself, how you got to this place. Yeah, yeah. So my journey here uh, has been a long one. So I've been working in healthcare for the better part of 20 years. I spent a lot of that time doing digital health innovation and specifically building and producing platforms that could help all of us as individuals and and individuals who are patients at different points in our lives better engage around our care and our general health and well-being. I worked at Pfizer for over a decade. I did quite a bit of maternal health nonprofit work in that time as well. Outside of your role. Outside of my role, outside of my role. And I think for me, that was a super eye opening experience because it really showed how much even the simplest interventions could work. Right. So making sure moms had someone trusted they could talk to during pregnancy and postpartum, making sure moms were educated around a handful of symptoms during pregnancy and postpartum and that they knew what steps to take if they perceived that they may have a risk. Right. 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 And just providing education in an accessible and easy way. And I think what was really eye-opening for me when I was doing a lot of that work is that far too many Black women didn't even access that most minimum standard, right? And I think so many of us felt lost and without support. I think so many of us experienced fragmented relationships with our core caregivers yep. in, in that life stage. And it's such a vulnerable time. So fast forward in, in the <laughs> summer of 2020, I, I think a lot of us were really challenging ourselves to think about what we were doing professionally. Yep. Um, were we fulfilled? Are were, we happy? Were we fulfilled and yes. were, were we putting back in, right? Were we leveraging our skills and our talents and our knowledge and all of these things 
to actually give back to our communities and, and our most vulnerable. And so that was something that I, I know, you know, I was having a lot of conversations with my own family about. Ultimately, I wanted to do something that was a little bit more mission focused. Yep. And I started thinking about the concept behind May. Then in the summer of 2020, I incorporated the business about a year and a half ago. And May is in essence, a digital first health platform that is meant to bring black women all of the disparate resources we mm-hmm. need to have better pregnancy experiences and outcomes. And that's a combination of community engagement, education, yep. self-tracking, and easy access to the resources we need. But it's also pulling in a community-led model of culturally competent support for our moms, which is something that is critically important and very often missing for us in our care. A hundred percent. And I think what I love about what, how you got there is that it came through a moment of defining your own purpose. Like, what is it that you want? We talk about this all the time. We're both mom of girls. What is it that we want to leave behind? What's our legacy for them? And I think the best thing you can leave is a world that's better for them, which is what I feel like May is going to do. May is going to create a world better for our girls so that we can eliminate the stigma around discussion around how black women feel when they're entering the healthcare system. And then also a broader discussion about what they need as they're in the healthcare system, you know, and that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I I mean, I absolutely think about my three daughters when I go to work every day, every day, it's about building a better experience for them when Mm -hmm. they get to this life stage. But I think it's also just really important to take a step back and remember that, that, good health for all of us yeah. be- begins in the womb, right? So if we're, not, if we're not giving our peers, if we're not giving all of our friends in the world an opportunity for a healthy start, we're impacting their the entire trajectory of their life, right? And that impacts, that impacts all of us. And I it's agree. worth committing what we need to make these outcomes better yep. for all of our pregnancy sisters. Yep. And I think, you know, we just got off of February was Women's Health, um, was Black History Month. Yeah. March was Women's Health Month. Now we're going into April. No talk about anything. <laughs> Women and Black people. May, same thing. And I, so I think just again, the purpose of this podcast is to make sure we're keeping conversations about women, females at the forefront. But this particular one holds a special place in my heart because we're talking about Black maternal health and we're talking about that it's not, well, there can be issues of economic impact, that there's some women who can afford the best care and these things are still happening. So there's a little bit of discussion around the biases that already exist in the healthcare system. But when you couple those with access or inability to speak up for yourself, those have a health impact on the delivery of the baby, the healthy nature of the mom. I really want to understand, I want our, our listeners to understand and to crystallize the issue. Because I think the first step is that people don't really understand the statistics. Can you share some of those with us so people can really truly understand that this is not an anecdotal issue. This is actually happening every day in America. So the statistics and impact are not anecdotal. The causes (laughs) are also not anecdotal at this stage, right? Right. So, So what is happening and what is happening pervasively for Black women, irrespective of our income or education, is that we we fare much more poorly in pregnancy across pretty pretty much every measure you could imagine, right? So much higher rates of maternal mortality Mm -hmm. here in New York City, 12x, Mm -hmm. the typical rate or the the rate versus our white counterparts. Nationwide, we're dying three to four times more often based on pregnancy-related causes than our white peers. Mm -hmm. We are also suffering from much higher rates of preterm labor, low birth weight babies. This often has a lifelong health impact for our children and Mm -hmm. their cognitive development. 
we are also suffering from much higher rates of C-sections, right? Yep. And we all know I'm a three-time C-section mom. Yep. It's harder for us to recover. It puts our future pregnancies at a higher risk. It is not something that we should be experiencing unless there's a medical need. And it's Correct. estimated that about half of C-sections do not have a medical need. Well, can we stop there? When you say half of the C-sections that are happening for Black women, I'm assuming that's across the board. Across yeah. the board. So half the C-sections that are happening are not medical necessary. Why are they happening? Yeah, it's really interesting, right? I think for us in New York, right, I'll, I will speak anecdotally a little yeah. bit about my experience. Yeah. My experience felt rushed. Yeah. My experience felt rushed, right? I don't think that there was a great amount of space in the hospital. I don't think there was a great amount of patients coming from my care team. Got it. But taking a step back, right, I think that there, the maternity space is really interesting, there is a very, very high risk of malpractice mm -hmm. as well, right? So, so it's there, risk averse, it's, right? It's risk aversion. It's risk aversion, right? I think that if there's the faintest concern yep. for mom or for baby, a rush C-section is typically the answer and, and it is not always necessary. Got it. Right. So there's a whole broader conversation to have about payment reform in mm -hmm. healthcare and mm -hmm. how healthcare providers are compensated. Right? right. And the fact that which prompts their decisions. Yeah. And the fact right. that, that too few are still compensated based on fee for service arrangements, which means they're being paid based on the number of procedures. Got right. It. And, and more practitioners are, are engaged in a hospital setting around a C-section. So typically those are costing health insurers about 50% more than a vaginal birth. And that's a whole different conversation yeah. to have. I think the reform that we need to have to direct healthcare providers in the direction of value-based care. Right? Yep. And we're seeing that happen slowly. And we've been seeing it happen over the last 20 years, very slowly, but certainly not, not fast enough. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's, I mean, like you said, there's we're going to talk about the solution for the mom. Right. But I think there's some there has to be maybe that's episode six, <laughs> episode five, six discussion around overall the reform that that needs to happen from how are you compensated? What's going like doctors, unfortunately, today are not the doctors from 1920, 1930s, where they're yeah. thinking about the whole family, where they're actually being encouraged to provide proper care, where they're also being compensated differently. Now, you know, the average primary care provider is seeing 60 to 80 patients a day. So let's think, think about OBGYNs and how many patients they're seeing a day. And then yeah. they're thinking about how much they're, what's the ROI on that? That all has to come into play. And then from an employer side, what are we doing to encourage proper prenatal care, postnatal care? We're not investing in it. Yeah. Right. There's so many solutions like me that employers are not aware of that can supplement this, I would say, slowly evolving and changing healthcare dynamic. The two have to come together. The employer has to supplement it. Yeah. And, and I say this all the time. When we think about care, we have to be thinking about the the complexity of, of everything that we are dealing with, even outside of these yeah. doctor's offices, right? And so when we think about the ability for someone to engage meaningfully yep. in their own care, right? We have to think about social determinants of health. Exactly. We have to think about whether these moms have childcare, have time off work, have transportation, yep. have adequate social support at home, right? And, and to your point, Joy... That's not something that an OB is necessarily equipped to deal with Agreed. in the time they have, right? And so that really underscores the need for us to be supporting these moms 
outside of holistically. those walls and holistically. Yeah, holistically. And I think yeah. that's why I love May. And I know we're going to talk about the solution, but in a second, because it thinks about the whole experience of the mom and baby. It's not just thinking about getting you from destination to A to B, but it's it's providing that opportunity for mom to actually think about the everything that's happening around her. And I think the resources that could support pre and post as well. And I think, you know, I have one daughter, I had a vaginal birth, but I think about all of the pieces that I cobbled together to support me pre post birth. It was hard. Number one, I think you were kind of alluding to it earlier. There's not a lot of discussion around it. Like, what do you need? And most of us refer to our parents or our moms who haven't. <laughs> I had a baby at 38. So the last time she thought about that was 39 years ago. My friends were all in different places. So as we think about May as a resource, it's much more than an app. It's much more than a connector, yeah. right? It's like a way to create a community. Yeah, look, I, when... You and I both have healthcare backgrounds. Yes. When, when I was pregnant, in particular, when I was pregnant with my first daughter, I didn't know what I needed. Exactly. I didn't know how to look after myself. I didn't know what symptoms. There was to no self care. There's no self care the first time anything. around. I didn't know anything about doulas. Yep. I didn't know anything about natural birth options. Yeah. I didn't know anything, right? And so, so, and and, that, and I'm saying that as someone with with a high degree of health literacy, right? exactly, Having been in this industry for a very long time, right? So, not everyone has that even that, that perspective. Correct. So part of what we're trying to, to achieve with May is really taking some of that uncertainty out of mom's hands. Love it. Right. And so we're doing a handful of things just to, to be a little bit more specific, right? We're doing weekly health tracking that, and, and this is clinically rigorous mm-hmm. and, and thoughtfully designed, right? So that we can make sure moms, make sure all of May's users are thinking about the specific things that they need to be thinking about and watching for in that pregnancy stage, right? So we've embedded elements of gamification throughout the platform. We have a fun, quick, easy weekly check-in. It's touching on social structural barriers to care, right? What does mom need outside of those doctor's four walls? What are some examples of that? The degree of social support at home, transportation, time off work, all of these sorts of things. Financial, like the financial capacity to keep the home too, like all of those things that could be stressors. Down down to understanding the dynamic between that mom and her care team and and whether she feels adequately served, right? So do you feel that your questions are being adequately answered? Here's how you think about provider choice, Mm -hmm. if not, right? So so we're touching a lot on social determinants and barriers to that meaningful care. But beyond that, we're engaging with moms around key emotional risk factors and key physical risk factors. And we've designed all of these in partnership with Dr. Michelle O who's our clinical director at May. She's I an love incredible her. <laughs> OBGYN at the University of Mississippi and someone who's a absolute champion for reproductive justice and, yeah. and improvements in black maternal health, right? So part of our rationale for doing this piece, again, is to remove some of the uncertainty from the process to, to remind yeah. mom, here's a quick 20 second thing that you can do. If there's anything that you flag or anything of concern that you've told us, there's real time issue escalation support that shows up immediately on the platform. But in the context of our partnerships with some of our B2B partners, obviously with appropriate consents in place, we can also hand some of those insights back, right? Yeah. To make sure that we're really working as a team and working in close coordination to make sure that that mom gets the support she needs based on wherever she may be in her pregnancy. So that's a key component of what we're doing. I think beyond that, we've taken great pains to build 
culturally resonant resources and education on our platform. And when we think about those resources, many of those have been written by other Black women and Black Mm -hmm. mothers, including our clinical director, Dr. Owens. And they really speak to the experience that we share as Black women in this life stage, right? So tips from other Black mothers on self-advocacy and pregnancy. Let's have the difficult conversation we're too often not having about postpartum depression and and what that means and why it's so important that we acknowledge it and get support. Removing the stigma, exactly. Yeah. And I think that the third and final and very critical component of our platform is also Layering over top of of the digital health piece, a community-led model of support, right? So I myself am a huge evangelist of digital health, and I know that it's not enough here. It's not enough in and of itself, right? So unfortunately, right, because of some of what we were talking about, about bias in care and and, and things that have been now well-established around explicit racism in care, Giving moms information is fantastic Mm -hmm. for black women. Sometimes we know that we need that partner in care in the Mm -hmm. room. We need that advocate in the room. We need that advocate to say, you know, let me take a moment to explain what's happening in your care. Let's take a moment to make sure we have your consent, Mm -hmm. right? Which has been something that for decades, right? Hasn't been, has not ever happened, (laughs) has not been afforded to black women. Right. And so, so I think I, you know, and I know joy, you had had an amazing doula. Yeah, I did not. Right. Mm -hmm. And I ended up having complications in my first pregnancy that led to a first C-section. And then as a result of that, I had a C-section number two and a C-section number three. I'm sure that experience would have been different, different for me if I had had that advocate in the room. And I had just taken a moment to make sure I was Calm, yep. comfortable, yep. informed, consenting yes. to what was happening in my care in a way that, you know, in, in retrospect, I, you know, I can't, I can't say with confidence that all of those things happened in my own care. Yeah. I think the third piece I really want to double click on because there's a couple of terms and I never take for granted that when we have listeners, they understand them. So I want you to double click on care team. You've used that a yeah. lot, what that looks like, what, who could be part of that. And then I definitely want to spend time on, a, on the doula piece because that's that community we were talking about, but, and, and really talk about everyone's experience is different. I always considered myself to be outspoken, but the doula helped me find my voice. Yeah. Not only as I was delivering, but pre-delivery. What should I be look like you said, looking for in my OBGYN? What should I be asking for? You know, it was a really amazing experience, especially for people who I think don't need. They think they don't need one. They think they could be their big, biggest advocates. And we had two different experiences. One which I think had I not had my doula there, I probably for me it was important because she interpreted what was she translated what was being told to me at certain times. That translation is key because I'm not a doctor. You know, I'm not a gynecologist and I've never had a baby until that time. So I think when we get to the doula piece, there's so many components that they give us that I definitely want our our listeners to understand. But first, let's talk about like, what is the care team when you describe, like when you mentioned care team, what does that look like? Describe how they, how they look. Yeah. So, so a core and traditional obstetrics team, right. Would be your OB and, and all the folks affiliated with your OB's practice. And that is, a critical component of our care, right? It's so critical that we're getting meaningful and constant prenatal care. Yep. I think it's so critical that we are under some oversight mm-hmm. by OBs. They're, they're such an important and meaningful part of the puzzle. Always remember that if you're not connecting with yours, right, you, yep. you have the option to change and find someone you do connect with, right? But And that we'll say that again, because I think people feel yeah. like, 
oh, this is all I can afford or this is who they told me I had to ha- go to. Right. You always have choice. Always have choice. No matter where you live in the world or where you live in the country, you have the choice to make sure the person who's advising you cares about you, likes you, like they should touch you. That's yeah. like sign number one. If you have the right care team, someone should be touching the mom. Yeah. <laughs> no, if they're afraid to touch you, that is not the right person to help you deliver this life into the world. And if they're not taking the time to answer your questions, then they're also not the right person. Correct. Right? So when we think about a core obstetrics care team, we're usually talking about an OB and the team supporting them. Mm-hmm. Many women do also choose to to birth with the support of a midwife. Correct. And a midwife is not an MD, but someone who has been trained in medical care for birthing people. Right. Right. And big difference between a midwife and a doula. Exactly. That was going to be my next is question. That a doula is not trained to give medical care. A doula's role is one of education, emotional support, both Mm -hmm. for mom and for mom's partner. If if there's a partner in the picture, you know, birth education, breastfeeding preparedness, Mm -hmm. postpartum support and and baby care and breastfeeding success, all of these sorts of things. So a doula's role is different and supplemental, but there's a, a great amount of clinical evidence by this point that suggests that their role is is meaningful, mm-hmm. particularly when we think about driving down maternal health exactly. disparities for, for women, all the CFOs that are listening. This is the part yeah. you want to pay attention. This, this, the data is clear. The right? da- data is now clear, right? Mm-hmm. And we're seeing, we're seeing, and the, part of the way that we know that the data is clear is we're starting to see even Medicaid entities exactly. at the state level adopt doula reimbursement, right? And the reason that they're doing that is because doulas have now been shown to reduce rates of non-medically indicated C-sections exactly. to reduce rates of preterm labor. And, and some of it is just, it's just, again, through having a trusted partner in your pregnancy and, and someone who can help you manage stress, right. Yep. And make sure that you are taking care of yourself. I love the foremost. doulas that you've introduced me to you in the, in the May network, because they not only do all of that stuff that you've described, but they, they do the things that your mama should do. (laughs) You know, I was blessed. My mom spent six weeks with me and she just cooked for me. She didn't really do anything with the baby. She babied me so I could be the mom to the baby. And I feel in a lot of ways, even though the doula may not stay with you 24 seven, when you need to have a conversation around, am I, is this how I, what I'm feeling? Is this like normal or they have gone through it. They are again, not clinicians, but they may cook for you. They may tell you things that you should be eating to help you with that postpartum. They're or just, fantastic. Or just hold your baby while you hold take a your shower. baby while you take a shower. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like give you a warm towel <laughs> when you yeah. get out. Like there's things that you never know that you'll need as a mom. First baby, second baby, third baby, they're all different. You, those pregnancies are all different and you never know. And I think the fact that I love the doula network that May's built because Number one is scientifically proven to help not only mom and baby, but it helps the community that the mom and baby are entering. Sometimes I think doulas do a great job of preparing dad or partner or spouse, grandparents around what is going on. So they too can be part of that support team. But I think that the fact that doulas actually, to me, harken back to this time where you did have more of a community around women when they gave birth. Yeah wasn't this individual situation that someone's having. It gives a little bit of more humanity to healthcare, which I love. Yeah. I love that. And I think their role 
spans all different types of births, right? Their role can be in support. Should mom have a medical need for a C-section, their role can be a supportive one during that experience. Certainly a big focus of theirs is pain management techniques. Mm -hmm. So you can have a vaginal and perhaps even a non-medicated birth, if you so choose. That would not have been my my choice, but for those of us who so choose. So it's, I think, a really meaningful contribution for them to play in terms of helping us have the pregnancy experiences we're seeking and and really just respecting our wishes and staying very focused on those wishes during that high stress time of labor and delivery. And then their their roles and responsibilities expand beyond that to our returning home with baby and making sure that we're falling into a routine that works for both mom and baby once home. I think, you know, we can talk about doulas all day. I give a shout out to mine. She was amazing. At the end of the day, she she made sure I also only had the people in the room that I wanted in the room. Yeah. She ran interference in that also way important. too. Also very important to keeping moms calm during birth. We have a couple more minutes left. I can't believe we've been on, we've been talking about this for about 25 minutes. So this is like the time flies, but I wanted to, before we leave the conversation, what is the one thing you want people to take away from May? You, you created this amazing platform and yes, it's only one and a half years old, but the life of May will continue so long because we're going to always be having babies, right? What's the one thing you want people to take? Yeah, I I want us all to appreciate and acknowledge how much this is a personal and unique experience, Mm -hmm. right? So as partners in care to people we love, right? And to, and to, to people we believe should have this beautiful experience that they're seeking, listen to those preferences and let's do our best to respect them and support them for healthcare payers who are listening, (laughs) insurers, employers, and the like. I would love to challenge us to think about what it means to meaningfully support our most vulnerable mothers. Right. And And I would describe, I think as black women, we have a huge diversity in experiences, but when we think about the very disparate maternal health outcomes we are experiencing, we are, we are our most vulnerable mothers. Right. And and again, I'll finish where I started. Healthy starts are key to Mm -hmm. thriving individuals, thriving families, thriving communities, and we cannot underinvest in the health of our mothers and the health of our children. Yep. Love it. That's a perfect note to end on. Where can people find more about you, Maya? Where can they find out more about May? Yeah. So our Instagram handle is at May Health Inc. We would love to see you there. We're starting to run uh, quite a bit of community-based programming. Again, just to share some of the knowledge, right? Share some of the knowledge from our expert practitioners and and to serve this community in any way we can. Our website is meetmay.com. Mm-hmm. I would encourage you. I'd love to have anyone who's listening, share it with the black expectant mothers that, that you love. And yeah. we, we hope that we can be a trusted partner in their pregnancy journey. And you're still looking for doulas. So if you oh, yeah. are a doula, We're you growing. can go there as well, right? Meet May, M-E-E-T, May, yeah. M-A-E.com. Thank you so much for joining What the Health. I think this is an amazing conversation. More to come. Hopefully we'll have maybe episode nine, 10. We'll talk more about how May's growing. Maybe have one of your doulas join us next time to really talk about kind of the impact May's having. So thank you guys for joining. What the health? And I love you, Ella. Bye. 
Hi, it's Joy Altamara here, host of What the Health. Thank you for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you like what you heard and you subscribe, spread the word and give us a good rating on Apple, Spotify or whatever you're listening to. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel for video of every episode, plus lots of other useful content. For more information about what EHG Health and Preventive Health are all about, visit us at eh.health. Until next time, what the health?